Now broadcasting live via so Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, and that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I didn't get slapped like right your mom in here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? It doesn't work if you're not wearing what? a mariachi suit. Uh, we're not wearing a mariachi suit. I don't know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bagman Boardcast, episode number 212. I'm Chris. I'm John. Is it 12? Really? I thought, man. Yeah, 212. Wait, 212. Yeah, yeah, well, usually I'm the only one that has to have that talk, so you probably don't listen. To uh, yeah, you'd. I, I heard you say two two hundred eleven, and then I shut out. I was like, <laughs> yeah, two hundred eleven sounds good to me. Oh, well, you know, we've we've gotten together quite a few times. Did I say that I'm John it. yet? Yes, you did. All right, are you Paul? Yes, I am. Did Thanks. you say that yet? No, but that's, I figured they already. That's knew. Paul, everybody. Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, never seen it. Really. I think I've seen a couple. I've seen a episode. An an episode. Yeah. A single episode. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't like it? Eh. I mean, I what I really enjoyed was it, uh, SpongeBob was a bully oh. on the beach underwater, which didn't make sense. Uh, he also takes a bath in the opening sequence. Uh and he was, uh, he knocked like a ice cream cone out of a little kid's hand, mm-hmm. and then he realized that he can't, he shouldn't be a bully. So then to clean the ice cream cone off, he gave it, uh, butterfly kisses to oh. knock all the sand off the ice cream. And I did think that was hilarious. Hmm. But I never watched anything else. That makes sense. That's my story about that. You don't need to watch this podcast. No, no. We come at you audi- audibly in three different ways. I, I <laughs> yeah, 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 start it. This is your segment. It's your baby. It's a Paul baby. It's, Go, Paul. What's the first one? It's the Weekend Geek bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list. You had to jumpstart me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you stalled out right there on your own your own <laughs> bit. I, I segued it out of what we were talking about. You threw it over. Yeah. Everybody. I threw it over, and nobody wanted to catch that. No, because it's yours. It's your Paul baby. Next is the list: the books that we are looking forward to coming out April thirtieth. 2014. Before we move on, it reminded me, what was the game, was it called MASH or SPUD? SPUD. You, where you would get in, everybody would line up in a circle and one person had the ball, and then you would call out, you would throw up the ball up in the air and you would call out a number and everybody would run away except for the person that was called. I don't, I that, never that's that not game. a thing. Spud. That's you know, not a thing. It is a thing. It's a, it it's a place, a it's a playground game. If I've never heard of it, it's not a thing. <laughs> After I hear about so it, bathing's not a thing. Hey, yo, <laughs> that's a terrible like radio joke. I feel like we're wacky morning DJs. You guys never played no, Spud? I've never no. heard of that game. You would have like five friends. And was that something have, you uh, played when you were in like Pennsylvania? Was, or? <laughs> no, like I don't you know if play, maybe it's a regional thing. You right? No, I know. You know don't with, laugh at me. It that's was right. funny though. You play with a dodgeball, you know, a red playground ball. You would throw it up. Every everybody would have a number, and they, it would be secret, like. One, one through eight. If you had well, eight then how, people, why playing. don't you just lie about your number? I think some kids did because you would throw it up, and then the, that segue reminded me of like throwing the ball up, calling out. A well, number, then what happens next? And like throw the ball away, up, everybody. And then he, it's like, but is somebody giving out the numbers? 
Well, the teacher in like in recess would have, yes. What's okay, but, but then everyone runs she... away except for this kid. Except for the kid. So, so then and what he has happens? to catch the ball. He comes up, catches the ball, and then okay. everybody does he have has to, yell, to stop. Does he have to yell "spud"? Yes, he yells "spud" or "stop" or whatever the the phrase was, but probably "spud." And he catches the ball, and then he has to throw it at the closest person. Then yeah, he gets to take four steps S P U D towards the closest person, and then gets to throw it. And you, as a person standing there, can't move. Anybody that's being thrown at can't move, but they can try to catch it. And if you get hit, then you're it, and then you get to throw the ball. And then you get you get you get to pick up the ball. And then you throw it then, up in the air, oh, and you call a number, and then somebody else comes. Somebody know. has to come get the ball then. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. It's a fun game. It was fun. You know, yeah, it, it sounds is. like a game that you have to wear out children. Yeah, it does. Because yeah, you all then gather back up and then you run away again. It's like fast. Red Rover. <laughs> it's just making kids run back and forth. It's Red Rover with dodgeball. Yeah. No, we never did that. Yeah. Guys, we're too busy watching your cartoons that you love, like American Tale. That's true. Um, One time in elementary school i stole one of the plastic magnifying glasses from the science room Mm -hmm. and took it outside at recess and i was trying to start a pile of leaves on fire underneath the monkey bars how did that work out for you they didn't really start on fire but they kind of started smoldering Mm -hmm. and then i got in trouble because the teacher came over because there was like four other kids around like watching it Mm -hmm. but yeah damn those other kids they spoil it all if it was just you, it, it, they would have just thought, ah, Christopher Roy being weird again. It is possible. Like, like, those... If I had like a real magnifying glass, because it was just like one of those cheap, crappy plastic ones. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. At least you weren't doing anything it cruel science. with ants. It's like it was in fourth grade. But what do we do after the list? Oh, fuck. It's a rotating... I, I'm, I'm throwing out my game now, too. It's a rotating main topic. We have our rotating main topic. This week we're doing our trade and policy review of Cullen Bunn's... The Sixth Gun, Volume 1, Cold Dead Fingers from, is this Oni? Oni. From Oni Press. Huh. It feels like an image book. But I'm paying Oni prices <laughs> at three ninety nine. Oh, yeah. And something, something, segue, we drink beer, too, when we talk about stuff. This is a late night that was, for us. That was a great segue, yeah. too, if I don't mind saying myself. Yeah. You're welcome. Segue, segue, segue. Beer. Beer. Beer drinking. Paul, Paul thinks he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Take that, Spud. <laughs> oh, I'm it. Threw a bottle cap at him. Yes, he did. Uh, so this is from Jack's Abbey. This is their vanilla Framinghammer. This is a bourbon-aged uh, Baltic porter with vanilla. Uh, very smooth, uh, on the lighter side, I'd like a little more sweet from the vanilla. Really? You don't get enough sweet on this. I don't get the vanilla. I get a lot of vanilla. I, I think the yeah, vanilla is overpowering almost, and I get a lot of sweetness from that vanilla. I don't get much bourbon. No. I don't get any bourbon burn. I don't get any bourbon warmth, really. Here's the thing. like After I you swallow, like, you just kind of like smack your lips. Like That's where I get the bourbon. It's not mm-hmm. okay. like strong. And it's, it's on the like, nose. The, it, it's kind of on the back end of it, but it's it's really good. I like it. I think it's fine just the way it is. I wouldn't yeah. even want any more sweet off of this. Yeah, yeah. I do At enjoy, that point, it'd be like syrupy. I do enjoy the coffee Framinghammer, 
uh, more than this that we had. I really like the vanilla flavor. I just wish it had a fuller mouthfeel because it is almost a little watery. Yeah. Yeah. It's very light for... Mm -hmm. And the carbonation isn't really there either. It's a little flat. Yeah. We've had this for... Was this a 2012 bottle, you said? Five. Oh, no, that was the... No, uh, this would be the 13, I believe. 13 or 14. Okay. Uh, We've had this for about five months. Something like that. Yeah. You got it for Christmas? I think so. Then, yeah, about five months. It's April. No, I got it for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Of last year? No, this year. Oh, okay, then a month. Yeah. Yeah. but my mom had had it for a while. Oh, Can okay. we talk about numbers more? Yes. <laughs> this is great. Hey, we started off with talking about numbers. We're going to crunch some more numbers right now in the Weekend Geek. Weekend Geek. Why what, not? What numbers do we have to crunch? I don't know. Well, I, I got an addition for you. Ooh. In addition to the casting for Man of Steel, this movie oh, yeah, keeps this. In, keeps getting larger and larger. Uh, we have a cyborg now. Oh, I didn't see that. You didn't see it? Darn it. Uh, Ray Fisher, because I was hoping you would tell me who Ray Fisher is. <laughs> I don't know. That's what IMDb is for. Yeah. Who's been cast to, uh, play cyborg in the Man of Steel. Is he cast to play cyborg? <clears throat> wait, wait. Or... I'm sorry. In the Man of Steel sequel. <laughs> the Man of Steel, oh, Man of Steel sequel still hasn't, doesn't have a title. That makes sense. For a second there, I thought they were already casting for Batman Superman 2. Ah. No, it's Man of Steel sequel, which mm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. I wonder if, you know, you're just going to get him as the... Variety says that he that Cyborg uh, doesn't have a major role, but is planned to have a much more significant part to play in the future DC comic book-based films. That's coming from Variety. Well, especially, so do we think he's just gonna be some kid that gets hurt in an accident and gets pulled away. Yeah, because from what I would, from what I remember seeing one time is they were talking about doing Batman, Superman back to back with Justice League. So, mm-hmm. they they could just be setting up, setting that up. Seems that way because you know uh, it's taken them a while to get this film together, and they're still. I would. I thought filming was going to start soon, and they're still casting. It makes me very nervous. Even though Star Wars Episode Seven, you know, I have no idea where that is, but it's supposed to come out December of next year. So. Well, there's still. I mean, it's the movie's not coming out till 2015, so they have a year it's, to no, film. 2016, May 6, 2016. Oh, it's, they moved it to 2016. Yeah. That, oh wow. Interesting. Star Wars is December 2015. Yeah. Did you see that with Star Wars, they're talking with this coming out in December, they still want to try to get them back on track with the the other two opening in May. They really want Star uh, Wars to open in May. Well, that's... May 25th? Like, that's that's going to get it back to, like, being that big summer blockbuster, like, when they first, like, started coming out. Do they really want it to open up on May 4th? I don't know. They should. They should. Or may the fourth be with you. But they were just, you know, they were just saying like every uh, every other Star Wars movie has opened up in May. They really wanted to get it back onto that May opening. But why not have? I mean, December you're going to crush it. There's no other big movies coming out. Look at how much okay. Gravity did. 
Gra- and Gravity wasn't a big blockbuster movie, it, though it starred two really big Hollywood stars and everything, and it had great special effects. But yeah, they re-released it. It was one of the largest December winter movies, I think, in recent history, if if not all time. I have no numbers or facts to back that up. Yeah. So but I mean, but Paul's saying it. So if, there. Yeah, well. if you look at, I mean, the um, Lord of the Rings movies or the Hobbit movies yeah. coming out in December, like they, they've been pretty big. And I think Gravity did better than the Hobbit. Speaking of the Hobbit. This is so, he, he set me up for my Star Wars. I'm setting you up for the Hobbit. Oh, there you go. And on the Hobbit-related front, we have lost there and back again as the subtitle for the third Hobbit movie. Oh. But it has been changed to the Battle of the Five Armies, which is basically the kick-ass part of that book. <laughs> that, that was like my favorite part oh, of the it, it's book. Oh, like, it, it is. Like, yeah, because the, this guy comes out of nowhere and fires this arrow that kills this dragon, and you're like, "Who is that guy?" It's Bar. Like they talk about him. Um, <laughs> well, they talk about him more, a lot more in the movie. Finally, <laughs> um, like get done eating with them, they are dwarves. Like, that and the dwarves escaping in the barrels were like my favorite part of the book. <laughs> and after seeing the barrel scene in the movie, I was like, "Wow, that was a lot cooler than I remember it when I read the book." I'm really looking forward to this, like, crazy all-out battle. Yeah. Are you excited for uh, the Dwarf Barrel ride to come to Universal Studios? I will go on that ride. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm excited for them to um, expanding out the Harry Potter portion of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, like on Alley. The stuff that they're doing with it sounds amazing. Isn't it opening soon, if um, not opened already? No, it's not open already. They're still working on stuff. One of the podcasts I listen to, um, it's the unofficial... Um, Disney Dish podcast. It's writ, uh, it's done by one of the writers from the unofficial Disney guides and then, um, media writer Jim Hill, who mm-hmm. knows like tons of stuff about everything. And he actually got to go to Universal to see the progress of the Diagon mm-hmm. Alley part. And he said, you'll be walking down the street and you'll have like a full building facade in front of you. Everything like 100% looks fantastic. But then right next to it is just the metal framework of a building. Mm-hmm. It's so spotty with how stuff's been completed, but I'm looking forward to that. And the train ride that takes you from Universal Studios to Islands of Adventure Mm -hmm. or back, there and back again, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the effects that they're doing for that sound amazing because when you're on the train ride, the screen or the windows are actually screens, and you'll be able to see stuff happening outside the windows. So you might have, like, the Weasley twins in the flying car, like, Oh, really? Fly past the train. Uh, like, other times you might get, like, whoa, Dementors, whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa. coming up. The Weasley twins? Really? Yeah. So they're going... This is before. Yeah. Yeah, apparently so. Because that way they have everything inside. Because when you think back to when we went on the Spoilers journey... for a book that came yeah. out <laughs> over five years ago. Um, yeah. Spoilers for a movie that came out over three years ago. Yeah. Um, it's... It sounds like it's going to be awesome and just give you even more of a reason to go. Will I be able to buy snacks on the trolley cart? I'm hoping. Because otherwise... They need to. Yeah, they um, And and I would want a Dementor every once in a while to show up and stop the I forget how many different things that they're going to have, like, Mm -hmm. be able to happen, but I think it's, like, over 600 different... Variations? Variations, like, going there. That's what I say about the Star Tours ride. Well, here's the thing. We went on Star Tours seven times, and there's so much cool stuff there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds awesome. They're not revealing too much about it, but you're actually to get through 
you're going to have to go through the alleyway behind mm-hmm. um, the leaky cauldron, and they're going to have you like running through brick walls. Like they have. Oh, effect. you don't have to tap. No, like they're Simon. not have, not like that. But the logistics of this are crazy, and it's one of those things Universal's kind of worry about trying to accommodate everyone because mm-hmm. it is like there's a serious bottlenecking issue. It's a bottlenecking thing because it's not like you have a hundred people walking through like the same mm-hmm. park entrance. It's you have to like walk down around a corner through an alleyway. Mm-hmm. Through the brick wall, and then you're in Diagon Alley. Yeah, yeah. Which sounds awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's a complete new sidebar. I could understand it being like an option to get into the park, like nope. for the super elite. Like, no, here's you know what I mean. Like the super elite. Yeah. Uh, like can, this is a super secret way you can get in. The Universal, like where you buy their pass that uh-huh. lets you like do the. Like the fast pass thing, whatever uh-huh. they call it. If you paid like that extra thirty bucks to get that, yeah. I would see maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and then making it like the secret thing that oh, it's a secret entrance, and if people know about it, they know mm-hmm. about it, and like let everybody else go through. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of dreaming and a lot of like spitballing, and like wouldn't it be cool? And let's try to make it work, and then mm-hmm. things falling apart. Like the planning, and they're they're doing this. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that they're absolutely. This is how they're going about it, but they want to have that authentic experience. Like you are that kid going to Hogwarts for the first time. Like they want you to have Harry's experience going through it. Yeah, but and, they and also we, got there by flume powder. Paul, they flume powder gonna, power. Flume powder also, powder. They're expanding out. They're going to have the Wizarding World at the mm-hmm. California. Universal oh, okay. Studios as well, and they're going to have separate things over there that you won't be able to see at the Florida one, and supposedly one of them is going to be um, like the Great Hall, like dining, like you're actually going to be in Hogwarts in the oh, Great Hall, cool. and they're going to have, it's going to be like a huge like table service meal where you're sitting down at the long table, mm-hmm. and then they're also going to like have the food appear in front of you. Hmm. I'm I'm imagining it's going to be something with like dumb waiters almost, yeah. where like they have the like covers over the mm-hmm. platters and then, and then like stuff yeah. gets raised up. But it's still cool. That's still awesome. Like that's something I'd be willing to pay like a hundred bucks for oh, like, yeah. that experience because you know there's going to be some probably kick-ass show. And, and we are super nerds. That oh. why wouldn't we be interested in that? Yeah. No. Think about how awesome. Islands of Adventure, Wizarding Ooh, World put was. That in your nose. I'm not. I'm putting it next to my nose, Paul. Get <laughs> you, it right. try, you already yeah. tried to put it up your wife's nose. What do you care? Right. Oh, what <laughs> up my nose? Uh, what's something that we love doing during the podcast? Drinking. drinking. What's yeah. the downside to drinking? Hangovers? Getting drunk? Hangovers? No, say, getting drunk hangover is a bonus. bonus. Is a bonus. Uh, uh, I like getting drunk. I just don't like. In a recent interview with uh, Jim Kolsch, who's the face of Sam Adams, uh, I have the link. I'm going to put it up on our our Facebook page. Um, But in this interview, while he was drinking with the guy that was interviewing him, the guy, kind of a lightweight, says, if I keep drinking this way, I'm going to get drunk. And he leans forward and says, do you want to know the secret to not getting drunk? Because I have to drink all day. Mm-hmm. His secret is taking a teaspoon of yeast, just that jarred yeast okay. that you can get in the grocery store. For every beer you think you're going to take, right before it, have the teaspoon of the yeast. So if I'm going to drink three beers, three teaspoons of yeast in my stomach? Yes. Like quick rising bread yeast? Yeah. 
That's, that's regular. What, not brewer's yeast. Not brewer's yeast, no. Nope. Just the dried out stuff, like, would, would pizza yeah. crust yeast do well? Here's the thing though, like, I, I don't feel then, like, if I'm gonna have three beers, I know that's not gonna get me drunk. But if I have maybe like six, would I be able to have like two to like curtail it, like leading up to? So like once I have that sixth one, I'm like, oh, I've only had like four. Possibly. Something we can experiment with. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't sound good. <laughs> let's, let's all eat yeast and then drink heavily. Yeah. What, that's that's what, like going to go wrong with that. We already know Paul throws up a lot. Yeah. That sounds something for like our not episodes where we're just drink doing our all beer episodes. That's yeah. that's what that sounds like. All, all beer in the yeast. I believe. In, yeah, I believe that's mine. what he said. I just don't believe that yeah, it would just... work. That's all I'm saying, sir. To you, who good figure, sir. Who figures that out? Was he just like eating yeast one day and was like, "Oh, I'm not drunk." <laughs> No, I just want another beer we, right now. We all I'm... know the key to not getting drunk. He found Gatorade. Is you gotta drink a Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade. Uh, I found my milk is mine. Ugh. Uh, Dr. Joe, who is a good friend of his, who is a craft beer legend, uh, educated yeah. at Harvard, um, who was, who was educated at Harvard, was, or was he an educator? At educated Harvard? at Harvard. Oh, okay. He's got three degrees from Harvard. Uh, and, uh, he's a biochemist. I have to say, the phrase educated at makes it sound well, like I'm, he did not get a degree. Maybe. I'm, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying how they worded it, not how you worded it. I'm just, I I'm just, you're reading it from. Maybe Dr. Joe was just a janitor there. Yeah. And, you know, when he was cleaning up in the classrooms, he discovered yeast. And he was <laughs> like, I'm gonna eat this. Well, I thought not you were going yet. for a goodwill hunting kind, kind of thing. was. Okay. But I completely put into you, just like a crazy guy that's eating stuff. The, uh, does sound kind of like, uh, Plumber Joe. ADH is able to break down alcohol mo- molecules down, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so. Interesting, so- it's an interesting article. Check it out. Try it out. I just thought it was something different to bring to the news. And, um, it is different. Over on our Facebook, I'll put that up. So check us out on Facebook. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, don't Google. Just go to Begging Board. You'll be able to find the article. Yeah. That's the only way you can find that article online, actually. Yeah. Don't bother looking. It, it's it's not from Esquire. Not, definitely no. not. Don't from look up Esquire to find not. that. No, no. It, it'll be linked to Esquire on our Facebook, but, you know, don't go looking there first. But That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for another beer. Oh, another beer? Not, not, we're not going to go into the list first and then go into the beer? Well, John was pouring another beer. Yeah, but then I would have to pause the show. Wait for him to finish. Paul, what book are you looking forward to? Oh, well, I'm looking forward to Peter Parker's Return in Amazing Spider Man number one. I am not looking forward to the price of this book. How much? $5.99. Holy shit! Uh, but it's Humberto Ramos on art, and he's always fun. Uh, Dan Slot writing. Uh, they don't tell me how many pages it is. But uh, so that kind of, that kind of, yeah, five ninety nine. Well, not that we're buying it, but it was just announced that uh, Forever Evil number seven went in price from three ninety nine up to four ninety nine. Ugh. But five ninety nine. But five ninety nine is. Remember when they were drawing the line at two ninety nine? That was DC. I know. Original Sin from Marvel was four ninety nine for that zero issue. 
For a zero issue? For a zero yeah. issue. You know, we've, we've I have to got... Say, and two, $2.99 is most of DC's books. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, $5.99. We've gotten some really good beer for $5.99. We have. And I'm just also thinking, like, for those special DC comics, like the uh, Superman 700, like Wonder Woman mm-hmm. um, 600, Detective Comics... Whatever number that one was. Got up to over eight. It was, what, was almost 900? Was it, was it 900? I want to say yeah, that. Yeah, it was 900, I think. Like, those books were 7.99, and that was, Ooh. like... But here's the thing. They were great, like, anthology stories. Mm-hmm. But then you're, we're paying, what, three, two bucks at the back where it's all just pinup art? Yeah, but yeah. they were really cool. It was cool. What yeah, was but it? the thing well, is, yeah. is yeah, you're never, you, you you'd, have to buy, you'd have to buy two books because you'd want one... To hold on to, and then one to bust open to pull out that. But nobody but, does that except for Chris with Spawn number one. <laughs> no, it was Spawn eight and nine that oh. I did that for. Oh, I've <laughs> done that with comic books, but I don't know, like for that where it was like a special anniversary issue, and they had great teams doing cool stories in there. Like that, I can understand. But it wasn't just like the hey, here's the next issue or the first issue. They were meant to be celebrations of those three characters. John, what character are you celebrating? Oh, see, I was going with the five ninety nine price point, and we've gotten a lot of good beer for oh, like sorry. five ninety nine. This so was this was right this beer. wasn't this was uh, eight nineteen. Uh, this is um, a brew- brewery from Michigan. Heyo! This is uh, New Holland Brewing. Um, this is their Dragon Milk. Their two thousand. Their two thousand twelve, and this is a bourbon barrel aged milk stout. Which is delicious. Um, is am I just off? Because it tastes kind of flat. It does taste a little flat, but it's a stout too. It is a milk stout, but we've had this before, and it was like a punch, like a mm-hmm. just a an amazing beer that I get almost a licorice or something, some kind of fruity taste in the middle. I think we palate. we might have waited a little too oh, long I, on it. I still think it's really good. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still good, but yeah, to me, it tastes old, like it's... it tastes like a. It's mellow. Just a milk stout. Like I don't get any of the bourbon to it. I get a little, little. Yeah, I mean, just, it's like, that bourbony taste. Take that, a, not the licorice. Just but take yeah, a big whiff. You get that bourbon on the nose. Just you got to take a big gulp. I just took a just, big gulp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you get you the can, bourbon in the middle palate. Yeah, no, that's the she kind of. For, I think that's just it's mellowed out. It's mm-hmm. been sitting yeah. for two years. It's for two. It is two years old, and uh, I mean for eight dollars. I'm sorry. They they refer to it as vintage. Vintage. 2012. Vintage. So this is this has will. been. It's not two years old. It's two years vintaged. I like it. I mean, it doesn't have the standout notes from just mm-hmm. like the regular dragon's milk. Yeah. But it's it's still really nice. Yeah, it's not punch you in the face, but it's still good. Yeah. Uh, and Paul, to answer your question, the book that I'm looking forward to is going to be. I asked you that. Oh. This question. God damn it, John. I, and then I stopped him and stepped all over that in order to segue it to the beer. Oh. And then you said, tried to segue it back to what you were going to pick. And then I stopped you <laughs> telling you you were wrong. And then Chris said, that's what he asked you. And that question was. John, what book you're looking forward to this? Week? No, Paul actually asked the question. Oh, uh, oh so the question you... that should never be asked. Yeah, time machine. Oh no, uh, it's going to be uh, Silver Surfer number two. I enjoyed the first one. I'm interested to see where this book goes. Um, 
See, you could have totally went with a segue there with a question that you never yeah. asked, much like Doctor Who, which and much like Doctor, Doctor Who, Who Silver, Silver Surfer, Surfer number two, number two, and he could yeah. have rhymed. I, I could. It could have been awesome. If only that was a time machine. That time machine. Could... I was. I just thrown off because not only did I like. No, I didn't say that. Paul then led us through the events leading up to when I was asked what book. And how to, he derailed Because he was trying to throw you off so he could make the Doctor Who reference. <laughs> <laughs> because he knew you wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. Uh, but no, I enjoyed this. I'd like to see it's where it like goes. I, I have no... Which he keeps talking about tonight. Uh, <laughs> Gloating over us with that time machine. <laughs> oh, I, I don't have a problem with the Silver Surfer being a Doctor Whovian kind of book. <laughs> I, I think I might enjoy it more yeah, because yeah. of that. It would keep me probably reading... A Silver Surfer book. Yeah, he, he has the power of Cosmic. He's kind of a wonky character anyways. Yeah. And Cosmic stuff, honestly, in the DC universe, doesn't really matter much. Last... Uh, Marvel? L- yeah. Last... Did I say DC? Yeah, I said DC. Oh, and the DC universe doesn't really well, matter much. doesn't matter in the DC. Last and only Silver Surfer comic yeah. book I ever bought was probably from, like, 92, 94. I kind of want to see Dan Slott and Jeff Johns singing the Beyonce song, put a ring on it. But, you know, you know, if it's cosmic... Paul has weird <laughs> sexual fantasies. I, I just, don't get that. Let's talk about that. Do you understand that? I do. If it's cosmic, then you better put a ring on it. And it's So I like comic books, Green too, Lantern. and I'm probably going to be buying a comic book. That would be funny. Next week. Oh, yeah, next week? What, are you, what, what comic book would you be buying? Um, I'm going to actually... You don't like it. What don't you like that? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much disgust in John's face right now. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to Disney Kingdom Secrets of the Weird. Number. I thought you were gonna do Flash Annual. No, I'm not I was thinking that. about Flash Annual. I was rem- no. Was. Remember we talked about this, and I was gonna pick Amazing Spider-Man number one, uh, but then Paul picked that. Oh well, then I would have picked uh, Flash Annual. Why? Because Wally West is making his new DCU appearance. He made it in uh, number thirty of the Flash. Yeah. What, 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 what was he's it? dead. Was he? Yeah, he's a kid. He was killed in like a car accident. Yep. Oh. Didn't even read the book. Boom. Spoilers. Fuck wow. you guys. He he hope, you pla- hope you weren't planning on reading that book. Well, and now, now that I know he's... And he's not a redhead, motherfuckers. Well, then I don't need to buy the Flash Annuals. Thanks for saving me that money, John. Yeah, I know. Because, honestly, why would I care about a dead character? Because he's trying to save him. Yeah, because Barry's trying to... Go back in the past to save, save him. him. Well, actually, it's... An- it's in the future. Yes. What? Yeah. Yep. You gotta. You gotta Wally, on it. Wally dies five years in the future from now. Okay. And then at what age? He's like he looks like a teenager. Yeah, he's like a teenager. So he's even younger than Kid Flash. Kid right Flash. Now? Yes. And then future, 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 future. Because he's not he's not the Flash from five years. He's a flash past that. Okay. 20 years from is now. That, flash. Is that like the black and blue that's one? The that blue, yeah, yeah that's okay. the blue flash. He's trying to go back in time to save Wally West. And he's got all like the newsprint all over the like his wall. And he's okay. like, it all stems from Wally dying. I need to go back and save him. So the present flash. Present, present flash. Present Barry runs into future Barry. Not yet. In the future. No. Not yet. Present, present, present Barry has no idea that this is happening. 
five years from now, Barry. Okay. He now, Barry. was too slow in saving Iris and Wally in this car accident. Iris, it looks like she lives, but Wally's dead. But Wally's dead, okay. okay. And then future, future, so that, that, Barry. That's off this timeline. Okay, now we're in the future. He, future. who's like, he's got like blue and he's... he's blue streaking. He's blue okay. streaking. He is going back, back in, in time. time. Okay, okay. To this point in time. Well, we're not sure if he's going to make it to that or to present. He might overshoot it. He might overshoot it. And he is trying to save Wally. Because all these events, all these events have stemmed from this death that Wally needs to be alive. Okay. Uh, so our Flash, our current present day Flash, is doing... You know what? You know what he's doing? He's going to the therapist's. Because it's just taking place after uh, the evil, forever, forever evil. evil, and uh, he wasn't around, and there's so much stuff that needs to be done in the city because everything was overrun by the bad guys, blah, blah, blah. Wait, Flash wasn't around? Why wasn't Flash around? I don't know. We, none of us read it. Um, but he wasn't there to save the city. He's got all this guilt about it, and he's trying to fix the city. But to also work on the police force, he has to go see this therapist to clear him for work. So while he's in the therapist's office, he's running off and, like, saving a dog. He's putting a brick wall up. And I'm like, wait a minute, he's missing all this. How is he there to answer these questions with the therapist? I really want to talk to Ethan Vanskyver about what they did to Barry Allen. Because talking, whenever we talk to Ethan Vanskyver, like, at comic book conventions about Barry Allen... This is not the character he described. No. No, he was talking about this character that was kind of hard. You know, he would never, you know, let the rogues get away with what they do. He would look at, like, what Wally was doing, where he was almost, like, friendly with some of these rogues. Like, he was more black and white about, you know, what is law and what is justice and what how things should be done and what is right and what's wrong. Very black and white. You know, somebody that believed in the death penalty. This is not the character that they were describing at all when they were talking about, you know, rebirth. Like, between what, what, how Ethan Van Descriver described his conversations with Jeff Johns about what they were doing, yeah. was going to be doing. What's well, all Barry the writing Allen team on this? To make it a different character you know? than Walt. Like, a stark contrast. And now he's going to therapy and has guilt. Well, I mean, about he has, things yeah. like it seems like no, this character would be like from from how it was described. It sounds like he would come back and he was like, "Well, I was doing this. I understand. I got to get to work. I got to lace was, up my boots and get to work." That was like, four, I mean, four or five years ago, buddy. I know. And with the but, re, the 50, new fifty two, it's completely different. But Chris, you say Seekers of the Weird? Yeah. <laughs> that that was the book I was looking forward to. I'm sorry. I, I gotta say one more thing. Fuck you, Dizzy. <laughs> Whatever. Like, ugh. Secrets of the Weird, though. Candleman? Secret yeah. Burning still? Yeah. Melting? Yeah. I really enjoyed number three. Me too. That's what I'm looking forward to four. It's Which good. one was number three? Is that the one where they got the chair? Or is that the one they yeah, got they, the table? They got they, the they table. Get the table. And they sent it back to the room. And they met the the wardens. And they found out that their uncle actually isn't who he says he is. But turns out it's a con. And he's trying to still take out the 
Oh, I can't remember her name. Disponia. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get to the coffin clock. And he's gearing up the kids at the end of the last one. They are in the warden's secret armory. That's where we learn that the Disponia in, wants to unleash what's in the coffin clock. Yes. Which is the king of the reapers. King of the reapers. Okay, yeah. It's, I read that one then. Yes. Yeah. It was it, good. It's a, such a fun book. They all blended together. I couldn't remember. Because Much like it, wax it's melting. A, it's a good single cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's no, all, like it's one of those books when I read it, it just it flies by. Yeah. And it's just such a fun read. I hate the fact that it's only going to be five issues because I think this is a story and characters that I would want more of. I want more crazy adventures with Uncle Roland, like finding out what else is out there. Like what else are they like trying to keep from evil? Like I want to find out more about the wardens. Like it's, I would like, I would like, okay, this is this mini series. And then shortly after that, I'd like another mini series. Like I don't want an ongoing series. Uh, I would, I would probably buy an ongoing, but I'd rather them, just put out miniseries with these characters. Oh, which who knows? Maybe that's something that they could do. We, this is the first time that you know we've gotten that Disney Marvel crossover. We've already found out what the next book's going to be, but from there, who knows where we're going to go? They could go back to this. They could do something else. They could do two. Yeah, but I, I definitely, I definitely love this kind of world. I love the mystic stuff. I love people thrown into that stuff. I just. There's one thing I'm missing. Hmm. That's more puns. You know, because, like... Like, the fact... They sold me just with, like, the living room where it's, like, walking, talking pieces of furniture. After that, I'm like, done. Thank you. See, he's like, oh, why why are you pushing it? It's a walking chair. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so it's a walking chair. I wonder what the table will be. Well, the table they'll probably find at the end because it'll be the end table. And then the very next piece... They're like, oh, it's a table, and it also walks. You can just. But I'm the like, thing oh, is, so is, they all walk. Well, they're pieces of furniture. It's the living room. They're they have all, legs. Oh, they're all living. Yeah. Get, get it? That's why I said it's like that's why yeah. it's fun for me because it's the living, living room, room and all the pieces. Yeah. In but I wanted every. Piece but here's to have the thing: is is Roland is gonna know that thing? These kids aren't going to because the kids are. Yeah. They're on the run every time they they're. The library's trying to kill him. There's mummies chasing him. You know, mm-hmm. now there's this specter of a man chasing him. Like it's, it, it's crazy yeah, and it's wild and fun. And, and, and it'll answer your question yeah. if you catch it. Yeah, and they caught too many and they pissed off the librarian. Well, they knocked over too many to send them all flying. They it's, touched too many. It, it's such a fun book, and if you're not reading this, please check it out. Ye- even if you hear, like, oh, Disney, and you're like, no, it's not for me. If you like fun action adventure, pick it up. It's with wonky, over-the-top, like, just world building, which... And it does it well. It does. Yeah. I I, I, I wish the rules were a little bit more cohesive. Paul, but... you just like rules in anything, yes, though. Yes, I do. Like in Spud. Yep. <laughs> in my playground game. Everything needs to be defined, but... See, I love the things that aren't defined. Because you can create anything. Because, yeah, anything is possible. And, uh, hey, mushrooms that clean the place, (laughs) we're disgruntled too. We hate the wardens. Yeah. Can you get us out of here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, that that was fun. Like, it was silly. It was fun. It Mm -hmm. fit the book. Yeah. And then it's like, 
why why are they why am I tied to this guy and they're just dragging you and then because they're just dragging the younger brother and he, they start dragging up the stairs and he's like ow 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 and, uh, I'm kind of glad I'm tied to this mummy now mm-hmm. you know like it's just fun stuff uh, Uncle Roland like. He's got no legs, and he's just, like, riding that chair around. He's riding that chair around. I really hope he gets, like, somehow he's just like, oh, let me put these, and he gets, like... No, I I just want to see him, like, like walking around in that chair like Professor X. (laughs) I don't know, like, I I know I keep saying it's cool and it's fun, but that's... He's more of a... Who's the leader of the Doom Patrol? Uh, I was never a Doom Patrol fan. I know, but he seems more of that guy, though. Yeah, I don't remember that. Because he's much more of a jerk. And just, like, is using other people just for his own gains. You know, even more so than yeah. Professor X, who is a jerk. He is a jerk. Is a I'm jerk. not going to argue with Kitty Pride on that. No, he's a jerk. But Cannonball doesn't like him either. Cannonball's a jerk, too, though. Well, How weird would it be if for our dramatic reading it was a book with Cannonball in it? That would be pretty cool, but I don't know where my... Uh, what, Shitty, Civil War Shitty was? X-Men books are? He's in Wolverine. The X-Men, I think. Okay. And now, a dramatic reading from Robin 164, approved by the Comics Code Authority. Ooh. That's vintage right there. Page 8, panel 1. Easy, breezy, lemon squeezy, bro. What a haul. Few more like these, Lucy, will be on the Gotham crime map in no time. That was a dramatic reading from Robin, 164, page 8, panel 1. Who are the two characters you were reading? It's just like two crappy villains. It's, it's a, like a, a, a Bill Willingham? Do- no, this was Adam Beach, and this was uh, stuff like Dodge. Okay. Uh, I didn't it's like a Dodge giant. Either. It's like a giant beefy woman and then a little... Little tiny dude. Mm. Yeah. And he's got, like, really low-cut oval a top. Span. A swoop neck? Like, I love Robin, but can I see... Yeah, there was some really crap. Some, like, oh, it looks like, like he's got a cool goatee runs. in that picture, too. Some weird issues. I like, like, Freddie Williams on art, too. Like, he was mm-hmm. a solid, uh... Yeah, yeah. He caught a lot of action really well, and I liked how he staged fights. Yeah. Especially with Robin, where, you know, the action sequences really did tell. You know what I like about digital? What? There's no ads in the book. Yeah, just flipping through it's like, I remember these ads, but they're all terrible. They are. I still remember the Subway ads, and I still hate them. <laughs> like, like the Subway comic book yeah, ones? Yeah, yeah. Oh, those were great. Those were horrible. Chris did love those. I loved them. I was oh, I'm now... I did, I did a review of one of them. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> the power of avocado. What? The smart food. Ooh, so like countdown. That Ooh. looks interesting. Killanilla, your favorite Robin uh, Adon character. <laughs> I, I, my favorite Robin character was uh, so sorcer- a sorcerer's daughter. The yeah. one that they've never done anything with. And one of my favorite Nightwing characters was uh, Tarantula, the second the, one. The that the, that the, tarantula the, stuff was awesome. And then like, they never when, did anything that's with That's when Devin after. Grayson was writing the book. And yeah. that's when I was really like, wow, Nightwing's just a solid, solid mm-hmm. book. That was with Blockbuster and everything going on. Like, that was and, like the yeah. golden age of Nightwing for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Here, you want to toss that back oh, yeah, let's just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> 
pretty much. Oh, it's Robin. It's even a bad Robin book is still no. better than some. You know, honestly, stuff. like really thinking about it, only books I'd really keep are uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, Sinestro Corps War, Fifty Two. I'm sorry, guys. I would get rid of Countdown, even though you did. Uh, no, that's all right. I I didn't finish I, I buying my, it. I sold my Countdown issues on eBay, so whatever. I, I know you guys bought them for me, and they, it was well, a really nice we, gift. And we all loved Fifty Two, and Paul, you loved Fifty Two the most yeah. out of. I mean, we loved it, but you were like, "This was the greatest thing." So why not? Like, oh, I, I didn't pre-purchase it though. Yeah, and I got a really good deal on pre-purchasing it, which was great. But like we were, out of the 52 issues, plus the four from the uh, World War Three, you yeah. remember how there were yeah. four issues in there? Like, I think I only really, I, I spent only like 40 some, maybe 40 some odd issues, I, you know. Because yeah. that was back when books were only $2.50. Yeah, I think that was, books were cheap. I think those were two twenty five, even. even. Yeah, they might have been because they were the because they weekly. Gave, yeah, weekly and... They gave you a discount, and uh, it was uh, still that not glossy paper. What's that? Newsprint paper. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, it was a great series, and we just thought, oh, the next big series. Let's mm-hmm. let's be those chums and buy it for oh, Paul ahead of time. That's so nice of you. I didn't. Fin- I didn't finish buying such it. Such a burden. Because <laughs> it was horrible. The Ray Palmer stuff was cool, like Kyle yeah. and Donna. Like jumping through realities. Like I didn't like the how they try to set up a love triangle between Red Hood, Green Lantern, and Donna Troy. Because I was it okay just, with it. Just felt forced to me. Like I didn't mind it. Because honestly, Red Hood has no history with Donna Troy as a character because Red Hood was dead. Yeah. Not Red Hood, but you know. Well, when he was Robin, Jason he Jason Todd. Did Jason Todd have anything to do no, with the Teen no. Titans? That was Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. But even when he was like Robin, he wasn't the Robin in Teen Titans. Still Dick Grayson. And he was Nightwing. Yeah, he was Nightwing at that point. It just flipped over to Titans. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, like, Kyle had a thing with Donna. So basically, like, you put anyone else with them and it's going to be something. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, there was a history and connection between those two characters. There was. I couldn't understand the connection between. Jason Todd and Donna. Yeah. It seemed like she was just there. You know what? We're not reviewing. What What are we reviewing? Countdown. Or Countdown. Oh, Countdown. Okay. But uh, a book we are going to be uh, reviewing is one of my favorites, and that is uh, The Six Gun, a series that started in 2010 uh, by uh, Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. Now, which is older, our podcast or Six Gun? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we started in 2009, sir. Oh, then us. Yes. <laughs> Which Good <one's>, answer. <laughs> Which one's older, Brad Pitt or Lasers? Lasers. Brad? Actually, Pitt. I have no idea. No, I'm going to say Lasers. Because it's actually a podcast <laughs> I listened to, Good Job Brain. That's one of their segments. So they, they ask the question. Why do you always bring other podcasts yeah. into this? Because Chris this is, just did. This is us time. Chris brought in the. Podcast. You always bring up Good Job Brain, though. I love Good Job Brain. That's why. I love beer. Oh, let's yeah. pour this next beer. And yeah, and then we can get into Six Gun. And like you said, Paul, before we get into the nitty gritty of the Six Gun, uh, we have from Voodoo Brewery. This Did is. Did I say that? 
Because I don't even know. I, I'm pretty sure. This is You've been paused for a little bit. their big black voodoo daddy aged in large apple brandy barrels. And this is a year old. This is over a year old. Uh, this was bottled 125.13. This is number 618. Um, you lose... I was the last person in line to get the full allotment. Full allotment. Um, and you, you lose a little bit of that apple brandy. You get a little bit at the end. Nice coffee. It's, it's a, it is a big stout that mm-hmm. has been aged in these apple brandy. And the apple brandy's kind of gone away, but you still get that nice stout. I'm surprised how much stout we still have from this because I thought the first thing that would go away is a stout and I would be left with that mealy apple brandy. Cause the, I did not like the apple brandy stuff yeah. when we tried it. Last year, I'm we like, Ugh, we all agreed. We we all agreed the Pop-up Belgian the Belgian triple aged in the apple brandy mm-hmm. was no not good. that great. I liked it more than the two of you, but it's not something I wanted to drink again. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. one, when we had it, Chris and I really loved that apple brandy that shined through. I probably didn't like it at all. You didn't like it, but you, I think you yes. were you already were in that mindset of not liking it. Mm-hmm. Um. And in this, really, it just tastes like a stout. I think we might have sat on it too long because I, you don't get any of that apple brand. I'm you, glad yeah, we you, don't have. I, I get into the aftertaste. I get enough, you know, that punch. There's a little bit at the end, kind mm-hmm. of a tartness. There's the flavor mm-hmm. on your tongue afterwards. It is a big mouth feel. Yeah. It, it, it does leave your mouth coated. Mm-hmm. It is It is good. And that, that dragon breath, you kind of get a little bit of that apple brandy still. Like I don't just, get any of that dragon just breath. Just breathe out. Just breathe out, sir. Ooh. No, sorry. No, I don't get really? that at all. Mm. I'm I'm feeling it. It feels good. I feel like I got more from the uh, the uh, the dragon's milk. Oh, really? The yeah. dragon's milk, not from the Jack Abbey. Yeah. Like, wow. But, but that that was just like so smooth and like. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say past the point, but it had just mellowed out so much that I did get more of like the alcohol feel on it. Not so much like the burn or the taste, but I noticed a little bit more. I just really love the mouthfeel of this one right here. It's it is big. It's pun. It's it's if flavor can be pungent, then it's pungent. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm really kicking myself for not making it this summer to get their other release. Uh, from Voodoo Brewery, and I am definitely keeping track to when they are having their next release, because we got to go again. Because okay. their beer has just been outstanding. Those yeah. those bourbon aged beers, even now aged that extra year, mm-hmm. are fantastic. They are. They almost make it worth the wait. The Happy Van forty-four dollars. Great. Like, that one. The Papa Vanquil. We couldn't decide which one we liked more, the Buffalo Trace or the Papa Van Winkle. And we have two bottles of of each down there, and, and we should do them back-to-back to, to say definitively which one's better. Yeah, yeah that's, um, we'll save those for, to do that then, because uh, you can buy Buffalo Trace with uh, bourbon. Yeah. You can't buy Papa Van Winkle. Uh, my cousin... Might be able to get us some if I a Papa nice. Van Winkle Papa bourbon? Van Winkle bourbon, because uh, really he he actually got into bourbon because his for work they were sending him down to where they brew and he would go and try all the different bourbon places in 
Kentucky. I don't know yeah. where where they all are. But he got talking to the guy who does Papa Van Winkle, and he has like I think he has a a bottle of it. But he does like real limited releases, and if you're there when it's released, you can get one. Um, but he's also like probably one of the smartest people I know. <laughs> he makes the like porcelain shields that are on the space shuttles that fly up. He's a scientist. Ceramic, ceramic, whatever. Whatever it is. Ceramic heat shields. Whatever. He d- he did that. Um Yeah, but He's a ceramic engineer. Yeah. He works for Corning. He does all the class mm-hmm. stuff. Because uh Alfred University is really big in cer- they have a one of the best ceramic engineering. Uh, uh he's got a doctorate. Yeah. He's a smart so man. So Corning makes sense. It's right there. Uh New York State. Hey, education. Awesome. Uh, you know what's awesome? Hanging out in the old west. <laughs> and that brings us to uh the six gun ball. Uh this is This a, is your baby. This is my baby. This is your a pick. My for pick our trading policy. Um, which is a monthly segment that we're doing now. Yeah. We do it every month. We do it every and month. What we're doing now is we're rotating like every each book. E- each one of us is picking one. Paul, you picked um the great Queen of Country. Queen of Country. Queen of Country, number one, volume one. Volume one. Uh, I'm Year picking this. Uh, Chris has picked Aerosmith for next month. Aerosmith? Aerosmith. Like the Aero- band? No. no, like in... Like Arrow. Arrow. Paul, wait, you'll like is... it because there's magic set against the actual history. It's historical fiction. Okay. Um... I'm very, I'm, I'm very, might, there I'm very might be afraid rules because for it. I don't know. I don't like Love in an Elevator, and I don't well, like Dude You're wrong looks, for not liking that song. And I don't like Dude Looks Like a Lady. What? And But what has, about Living on the Edge? This has nothing to do with the actual band Aerosmith. It's just the main character's last name. Okay. Um, which I started to read. It's good. I liked it. Oh, I love that book. Do we have it in, like, print? In or? print. In okay, print. Yeah. So I gotta wait I'll, until you get on the trip. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh I'll read it real quick. But Six Gun is Six what Gun. we're doing. Six Gun, Six Gun is a book. Uh, time frame takes place just after the Civil War. Uh, and you, Jonah Hex will show up soon. I'm assuming. Nope, because this is Oni Press. Oh, it's through Oni. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, with this book, you follow the joining of Drake Sinclair, mm-hmm. roundabout scoundrel. And, uh, um, Betsy, Betty, Becky, thank you. Becky uh, Moncliffe, um, who is a girl off the farm who is wrapped up into these situations, um, pretty much kidnapped because of, it's so hard to, like, her her father, her stepfather, her father, has, stepfather, Her stepfather has this gun that she picks up and is now bonded to, which... Bound. Bound to? Yeah, because bonded sounded like, you know, she's, S&M she's kind now of shit. Bound to. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's, Go ahead. There's so many layers here. Well, her... Her stepfather's on his deathbed, and as he's dying, there's a posse outside the door that's waiting to burst in. To and, steal this gun. And when that happens, he opens fire and just starts, like, mowing people down. 
And then she picks up the gun, and it becomes bonded to her. Bound. I, I'm saying bonded because it's not bound. Like, it's not tied to her. It's... it's Their fates are now intertwined. It's tethered to her. Yeah. Nobody until else she can di- touch Until it. she dies, nobody else can touch this gun. And the posse that was sent there was sent by the widow Hume, who is General Hume's wife. Mm-hmm. General Hume has been dead... Since the Civil War, before the end of the Civil War. And he's the original owner of the gun. He's, thank you. He's the original owner of the gun. His the gun lo- that Becky, Becky has. Becky's stepfather had, now that she, she has. has. Okay. The Widow Hume has also sent out the General's lieutenants to bring the General back. They found out where his body has been hidden on consecrated grounds in a monastery. They blow the monastery apart, they bring him back, and as they're bringing him back, Sinclair, who's after the general's treasure, finds himself meeting Becky, seeing that she's, and seeing that she's tied to this gun, he starts stealing her away from the widow Hume, Missy Hume, and when he's about to steal her away is when the general comes back with his lieutenants. Back to life. Back to life. Once he got off that consecrated ground, back yeah. to life. There's a lot of mystical stuff yeah, going yeah, yeah. on. And they don't explain it all. They don't, it, it, it is an ongoing series, so it is explained. The more you read, the more you get mm-hmm. info about everything about these guns if, and... Yeah. If you're going to like read the first volume... Beware, you're not going to get really any exposition about what the hell's going on until the third issue. And the third issue is all exposition. It's all like, oh, who is this general? What are these guns? We don't. They don't really explain deeply what the guns are. You just know there's six of them, and they're there to open up a seal. And, you're, and, and that he, seal is and bad he, news bears. And what got me is, well, it's like, here's what the guns do. Like, each one has different yeah. powers and abilities. Um, and the general's lieutenants have these guns. Yes, and each of them have a gun, and he has the sixth gun. The sixth gun, and, which lets him see into the future, but not his own demise. No, and what what when you say this, it's you're following basically with Becky. Mm-hmm. You're learning what she's learning. She's she thrown the reader's avatar. She's thrown into this, and you're learning what she's learning. And not everybody knows exactly what is going on and what powers these guns have. Drake seems to know quite a bit. He knows he knows somewhat because he, he was, was one of the general's lieutenants. Spoilers. Spoilers from from before we I said spoilers onward for this series. We're doing a review of the book, so yeah, there's yeah, there's gonna yeah. be spoilers about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like to say it before we start spoiling things, but yeah, let's you know, let's go in and start. Hey, we're going to review this book. We're not going to let you know anything about it. Well, you can do. There's ways to review things without spoiling things. I don't know how. Apparently, we do spoilers. You other, <laughs> you two guys no. don't know how either. So that's what we do here on this show. Um, but you know, fair warning. Yeah, I just wanted to try to get back on track. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we 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 laid out the premise of the book. It's having a war. What? Drake Sinclair, honestly, is the linchpin of the story. He's that 
He's that Han Solo character. He's, he's he's the character searching for redemption. He's an anti anti hero. See, I don't take anti hero. He's that he's no, the character searching for redemption. Yeah, I didn't take anti hero from it. See, I don't see him really searching too much for redemption, especially in this part of the book. Oh, okay. In the first part, he, he well after that third issue, our fourth issue, you learn that he was one of the general's men, and he realized no, these guns are evil. I and what he, the general wants to do with them yeah. is definitely evil. And he walked away from. I it. need like, to walk I don't away feel like and he stop need, him. And exactly, like I don't feel like he needs any sort of redemption. Like he left at that point. Like he he's a guy that's got his head on straight. He's just looking out for number one at this point. Well, see, and, that's what, what he was doing beforehand that got his general's the general's attention. He has a lot of blood on his hands. He's got a As lot of like what he said. The general was a lot of red in his leisure. The the general was looking for people who are murderous, who are murderous, who get the job done, who don't care about the casualties. And Sinclair was one of these men. His other lieutenants also these kind of men. And when the general came back with these guns, and no one knows exactly where he got them from. In the comic book, they show just a goat standing on a stone mountain with them all tied around his neck. Mm-hmm. But, but when these guns or these weapons have been seen throughout the course of human history since the dawn of time, but like not they show, but not as guns. Yeah, yeah, they show it's uh, whatever weapon is relevant uh, at that point in history. Yes, um, and when he laid out these guns on the table, Sinclair walks away, and that gun actually goes to the general's wife, Missy, the one that that was supposed to go to Sinclair. Sinclair. Um, but all it these guns, eternal use. Etern- uh, you can never die if you hold. If you are holding this gun, you mm-hmm. can never die. Uh, um, there's one gun that fires like a cannonball. Mm-hmm. One that spreads the fire of perdition. One that spend- spreads plague. And one that any person that's gunned down by it, you then control their soul and, and recall an army. recall an army of them. Another one that the six gun can see, see into, into the, the future. future. So we okay. and also eternal youth, fire, plague, future, cannonball, cannonball, eternal Wait, youth, eternal. Did I say that? No. No. Okay. So that's six. Okay. That's six. Okay. I'm sorry. I was just making sure we had six and that we had all six because, you know what. The next trade could be like, oh no, you didn't realize that was only five of the guns. No, you, you like, see, oh, okay. since I realized, like, because no, I never counted. Drake's picking up guns left and right. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> and, like, I was reading this and talking to Sean, I was like, how is this an ongoing? Because, like, all the guns are just, like, right here. And I'm, I'm glad for how things continue, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're only missing one. Sin- Sinclair, Sinclair is killing the lieutenants, and the lieutenants are being killed, and he just seems to be the one that keeps picking up these guns. Did anybody else get a very trigun kind of feeling from these lieutenants, where they all had their very special abilities, and it's like a gunslinger's fight against each other? I, I did, but after you me? say that, I. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cause, you know, the lieutenants of knives, like they were, what do they call them? I think disciples or do they call them lieutenants? I don't know. 
No, because he had the puppeteer in Trigun. I, yeah, I haven't watched Trigun forever. I own it on DVD, but Trigun, a it's yeah, been it's, it's popular like two thousand. It's like the sci-fi era. western. Yeah, anime. yeah, it's been anime. like fifteen, sixteen years since I watched that. Um, yeah. Fifteen, sixteen? No, because we were hanging out when we talked about it. When we talked about it, I watched it in high school. Because yeah. uh-huh. you were the one, Chris. You were the one. I shouldn't just yeah. point and say you were. <laughs> Chris, you were the one that got me into Trigon. Yeah, Trigon is yeah. dope. Me I just haven't watched it. Me as well. On, uh, Cartoon Network back in the day. Yeah. I just watched Chris's VHSs of it. Yeah, now I have it on DVD. It's still it's, there. It's on Netflix. Oh, it's I, a fun series. I tried rewatching let's, it. And let's I, t- keep talking yeah. about the sixth one, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is there's definitely parallels between these Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and also the people that that are holding the gun, they also are changed by mm-hmm. the gun. Uh, the... Bill, who has the gun that fires like a cannonball, is starting to get armored. The lieutenant that has the gun that shoots the fire perdition is wasting away. No matter how much he eats, he's never full. Um, That's not something that we know, though. No, we don't. We don't know. We know that the one guy has armor on his skin, and they do mention that the guns change people as soon as you touch it. You know, but. It doesn't play much a part in this volume one. And it, you know, at this point, it just seems like, oh, these generals or these lieutenants are definitely personifying the guns that they're carrying. Mm-hmm. Mostly maybe because of lazy story writing, maybe lazy, you know, character development. Just, you know, they are, the character themselves are the gun. You know? Yeah. But, Later on, it does develop more, you're saying. Yes. It, it, they do show you more than it's just that. But from the first volume only, like from... They're, they personify the gun that they're carrying, mm-hmm. which I think in the in this volume, too, without knowing all of it, mm-hmm. I but think you're it... you're saying more, and that's good. It, 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 does, it does work out. It does kind of fit those characters as they were. <laughs> they, um, they, they call them, like, Bill the... Bombardier, or no, whatever. it's like it's Bill like, the Butcher or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like William the blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, but all these lieutenants have names and they all have like nicknames because and, they were, yeah, they were murderous oh, assholes. Yeah, the, yeah. they're they're the, they're, they're, they're the, the, they're the yeah. bad guys. <laughs> and Drake Sinclair had the foresight to walk away. From all of this. Whenever I hear Drake Sinclair, I keep on thinking of uh, Upton Sinclair, the Raider of the Jungle. Yeah. Because it's, you know, with Pinkertons no. and... Uh, and Drake Sinclair, why. he's he's a, he's a bit of a fancy lad. He wears a double-breasted suit. He wears bowler a hat. bowler hat. He's, no, he's, he's got the like, mustache. He's just a cool, like, all-around cool dude. Yeah. He, yeah, but... So is Billy John. Bill John. Bill John. Bill John. Bill John was probably my favorite character in this series. Just like right from the get go, you have him at the table gambling. He's he's gambling. He's and he's talking about like, well, I could be cheating right now, <laughs> but I promise you, I'm not cheating. But by my promise, I mean like this hand right now, right this second, while you're still dealing to me, I'm not cheating. He's the heavy set guy, big beard. Top hat with a feather sticking out of it. He's the only character that's I can say is full of life. Yeah. In this, because everybody else is being led and has a purpose, and this guy is going through this as 
Well, he was promised treasure. Yeah. He's like just along for the ride. And he's got the two sawed-off double-barrel shotguns that he's firing. <laughs> he's throwing dynamite. Um, he's, he's the guy, he, guy. He's also the guy that is the only friend to Drake Sinclair, and he's also yeah yeah no uh, no no. I, I was thinking I didn't want to interrupt, and I'm yeah. sorry. Is he a friend or is he like an acquaintance that is like he Drake? You've gotten me through some worse scraps than this, and it's always been worth my while. And he's a guy that knows those lieutenants. So Mm -hmm. you know that he's someone that... He's seen the shit. He's been there. He knows these guys. He's someone who's who's gone through these. He's he's, He's either gone through it or heard tale. No, because, like, like Bill, he knows Bill John. Mm -hmm. Like, they... They reference each other when they see oh, each okay, other. Yeah. There's a history. But there's a history with these characters, and he seems to be the only person who is friends, still friends with Drake Sinclair, and has been promised his treasure. And also finds out that, spoiler, like one of my favorite things is with Becky having this gun yeah. to see the future, he's like, mm. well, you would tell me if I die, right? Yeah. If I'm going to die here, you'd let me know. And then he just looks at her and he's like, Oh, oh you wouldn't let me know. And this is where I die. die. Well, alright. Well, I'm going to make it a good death and I'm not going to wait around yeah. for it. And I mean, like, the general, and the general has, like, one of the things I love about the general is he's still tethered to the coffin and the chains, mm-hmm. but the chains are like octopus tentacles, like reaching out around him. He's using them to grab people, mm-hmm. and uh, he has all these mystical powers. There's Towards the end of the book, they get to one of the general's lairs where they think that he's buried his treasure, the maw. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's all these, when they come up to the maw, there's all these crosses out in the front yard of all the people that he's mm-hmm. killed and sent there and he um like you're outnumbered we have a whole army inside the maw and he raises all the dead that are underneath those crosses to fight for him and that's half the reason he buried him there is he's controlling their zombie corpses we don't know how we don't know why like normally like there's a gun to explain it because that's the power of the gun but he, but there's is this, something beyond. He's something. There's well, the guy was dead, buried, no. and he's gaining more power as he goes. Yeah, he is something, and it's never explained. No, it it, it it it's not explained here. But as you continue on in the series, you find out more and more of this, and more and more mystical stuff find its way into this into the story. Mm-hmm. Like it's really just mystical craziness in the old west yeah and that's the thing with it you know when you talk about empowered guns and everything uh you kind of have to just buy in and just be along for the ride Mm -hmm. uh and it's a fun book and it's it's it gets you to where you need to go and it's like well is anybody worried about sinclair picking up all these guns and not Anybody, there's no checks and balances well, I, I here right now. He's the, got. I think the person things. that's worried about it would be Sinclair, like because he knows what they can do like more than anyone else. 
Yeah, but he's still like by the what third would, gun. Okay. By the third would, gun, he's worried about it, but he still picks up the force. Yeah, because would you want someone else picking that up? Yeah, I guess. Think, think of that. Like he might not be a good man, but I don't know he, why he, better than he, I don't know why Becky people. would still hang out with him. He might not be a good man, but he does know to do the right thing. Yeah. And the only reason he's picking up these guns is so nobody else does it and that he can use these guns against his foe, who is ultimately worse than anyone that he knows of. There was never a moment where he kills somebody when Billy John was still... Bill John. Bill John. I keep on calling Billy. Bill John was alive, where he's like, Hey, Bill, you might want to pick that up for me. Because... Well, one, I don't think... I would like to have that character moment where he's like... Hey, I have one. I don't want to be. Care- I don't want this burden all to myself. Would you mind picking up? And then Bill John being like, "Nope, not picking that shit up." But no, ultimately, ultimately, I That's think you, I think Sinclair knows that one, he doesn't want Bill John oh, okay. to be in here, into this. Two, he doesn't want Bill John to have that because Bill John is that kind of. Full life, character full life character that he doesn't want to burden him with this. But he's not dark. He's not the one that's going to use it right. Where Sinclair is, I wouldn't say like he's a little more diabolical than other people. I'm just saying Sinclair only has two hands. What's really cool is later on he's no. Got, you, we're not talking about that. Got, he wears them all. He's badass with them. He's only got two hands, though. He can only fire two at a time. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't need to fire more than that. Um, but it's it's it is it's one of my favorite series. It's one of I my do favorite want ongoing. I see an issue of Drix and Claire firing the wrong one. Like I'm going to raise an army of dead, and then firing the one <laughs> with the fire. You know, just a road or the uh, plague. Just shoot, uh, shooting that at the ground and being like, oh, I, no, I, I just killed a thing. Of, I don't, well, don't want to see him as just inept and not aware of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he, he's you know, that, he's know. always kind of one step ahead of everyone else. Right. And like, and later on, like, he's always out thinking other people. And he's that kind of that, how many people know about these guns? This is the worst kept devil secret ever. I like I, I don't want to talk about what's coming up or what's happening because we're talking about volume one right now. Yeah. Sorry, like I don't need to know any of that. Like how much right more? Now. How much do you want to talk more about the? Uh, well, because we haven't, we honestly haven't talked about the writing or like the art or. Like, we talked, talked about, about the like, writing. We talked about the storytelling. You know, the story itself and the characters well, and we, everything. And, yeah, well, we we talked about the like the premise and what the book's about, but. And nothing more than that, characters. honestly. Well, okay, go start ahead. us off on this. No, Chris. I think, like, I did not care for Magneto too much. Like, it wasn't a bad book, but it's not something that I need to read more of. Um, did he say Magneto? Yeah, Colin, Colin Bunyan, Magneto, Magneto. Magneto, right? Okay, as well. And this is something that definitely hooked me, and it was kind of right from the get-go with like the Hanging Tree, where 
when you find this tree, like using one of these like fabled maps, mm-hmm. like they'll answer your questions, and that's how Drake like Sinclair Candlestick Man, exactly. Like, and that's what hooked me in because it's like, all right, this you got me on here, and it's the fact like going into the storytelling more where Cullen starts talking about how like buzzards are the smartest animal out there, like they know like everything, and when you're dying. That's when they whisper secrets to you, and they let you know the history of everything. And it's only in a tongue that like the dying can understand. It's that kind of storytelling that brings me in. Like the first issue, it it didn't hook me, and it's kind of like how Paul was saying, like it's all exposition up to that point. It was really number three where they start getting into, here's this gun, this is what it does, because that was the hook for me. But the storytelling in it and how things are laid out is fantastic. And I kind of wish I had gotten a little bit more of this from Magneto. But I realized Magneto is a completely different book. Because it works extremely well in this. And that's not something you can do with Magneto. Right. Uh, The guy also, I mean, he's writing this series. At this time, he's basically writing this series. When Magneto is coming out, he's writing Six-Gun, Magneto... And he's doing Sinestro over at DC. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to checking that one out, too. So he's a guy that he's he's tackling a lot of things right now. Um, but the storytelling the storytelling of of this book, especially with the hanging tree, the um, the, the the vultures knowing all this tells mm-hmm. very Mike Manola Hellboy. The thing with Mike Manola is that just that storytelling thing is there. I, I understand, but with this, I found myself distracted by the narrator of this book. He disappears like by issue, like maybe four. Like once the action starts happening, everything happens. The narrator kind of goes away, but the explanation of the buzzards and everything happens in a different, you know, font. Yeah, it's in like a different, different word like, bubble like balloons. Bubble, yeah. yeah, different word balloons. And the thing is. We're Becky in the situation, you know, where we're we don't know what's going on, but then we have this narrator who's explaining things, but not really because but it comes across so cryptic, and he's saying things without saying things. But at at this and I point, feel it's like you said, the first annoying. three issues are all exposition, and well, we, the third issue is exposition. The first two is just like well, well first we're two gonna, introduction, then exposition, kinda, yeah. And, okay, but where do we go from there? Like, we could have mm-hmm. Becky narrating. We could have Drake narrating. Mm-hmm. But she, Who's be- narrating Becky's the first... A, but here's the thing. We don't need, like, we can have that, just that narrator. Like, when you're watching the movie, just that okay. grizzled voice coming over, like, from the opening credits on. That's kind of how I read it. Like, I don't need to hear you Becky... You never need to figure out who no, that is? No, I don't need to hear Becky no. saying, like, oh, I'm, I am I live with my my stepdad, like, here's this, because she doesn't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I need someone setting the tone for the book, because the tone we're going to get from her saying, like, here's what's happening, is not going to match up to the story. Yeah. I understand, but... And Drake... It, eventually, I would want to know who that narrator is. He's a narrator. Okay. We, that, Why should I trust this guy? Because it's anybody the else. You're not being told a story from someone. We're not Drake's yeah, he's, not laying this out. He's just filling you in on things as you go. But it's you know he's saying things in such a 
cryptic way where it's not laid out. It's just letting you know into that mystical stuff that this mm-hmm. isn't just a Western. Uh, this is a mystical all Western. All I'm saying is when I was reading those first two issues, because that's where it was mostly predominant, that every time I got through those like jagged, like taken out of a, like ripped out of a diary kind of word balloons... I found myself kind of ripped out of the story. A yeah, little but bit. like later on, issue three or four, when they're going down the like the Navajo Indian Trail mm-hmm. and Drake's knocking down the signs, you have that thing like there's worse things in this desert than just the buzzards. Mm-hmm. There's the thun, you there's, know. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there's worse. There's worse ends than just death, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah, you know. So you still get that. It's still letting you in on that. Hey, these boy, you know, these country boys aren't just running bootleg. Yeah. How am I? How are these Dukes of Hazards going to get out of this one? Yeah, it's it's almost that like, well, Drake knows that this is going to happen, but we're not sure if the other people know. And then it's letting you know that well, somebody's a little more wiser in the story, and there's a lot more shit coming down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and and you don't need more than just that. I mean, it's like we just recently I watched. I it was overdone in the first two issues. By the third and fourth, it went away. It it basically disappeared for me as a reader. Because at that point, because, you're in the book. Yeah, you know yeah, the story. Yeah. You know what's happening. So, as as another reader, you know, get past it. You know, if you're reading the first issue and you're like, Ugh, it's a little too much. But by the third issue, it goes away, and I think it's definitely but, worth. And that's honestly what kept me interested in that first issue. Though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else do you have in the first issue besides some old guy getting shot at in his house? Mm-hmm. It was the first two issues were work to get through. The third issue where it was all exposition, I kind of felt like I got caught up. And then from then on, I was happy I was reading this book. Like, that's all I'm saying with this criticism, and it's, this critique, mm-hmm. is like, hey, this narrator... Might rip you out of the story, but it eventually disappears. And it's something that, like, I'm not reading it in single issues. In single mm-hmm. issues, I might have had a totally different feel. But I sat down buying volume one and and reading it, and I read it as, you know, sitting down reading this ongoing thing. And it is like, like a movie, you know? Yeah. You have this beginning. It lets you know where it is. And then the second act mm-hmm. happens, and then the third act happens. And that's what's fun about this book is each volume is kind of its continuation of the story, but it's next, like the sequel of it. It has that beginning, middle, end. But is it the end? No, because there's this other volume, and well, yeah, it, it kind of keeps going. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what this book is. It's just this kind of like like a sequel after sequel after sequel that keeps on the same train, but new things happen, new characters are added. New events are going on. Oh, that's on. good. New characters. And it, because I want a replacement for Bill John. Well, I like that. You get that little tease, like, Bill John still could be around. <laughs> and that's why I said Kind of, sort of, but they don't talk, right? Like, these, these like, uh, but he's still of it, the past. But they still have some semblance, because when they come back, and Drake actually brings mm-hmm. them back, he's like, no, they're, they're going to be around longer now, because they got a score to settle. Like, there mm-hmm. is yeah. some cognizance there. And Bill John, even though he doesn't speak, it's still Bill John. 
He's still with <laughs> Sinclair. He's still there to protect Becky throughout. And, you know, in, uh, the, the character, the, um, the guy who was leading the Maw, I can't think of his name right now. It began with a G. Uh, Gord. Gord. Yeah. Gord. He's that new character on. He is with them. And why you find out why he was in the Maw and why he's the leader, like, it's something that, you know, it keeps building. It keeps going with him. And he's one of my favorite characters out of the book. <laughs> wow. Like, he's he's badass. Like, right from the beginning. Well, he seemed pretty badass at the beginning. Oh, just, like, when you <laughs> find out more about him. I just like Bill John at the beginning because it was just a fun scene where like they're in like that saloon, yeah. and then um like Bill comes in and he's like on the horse and like, there's just guns firing everywhere. Everybody else that, was like, so that serious in that book, yeah. Other than Becky, who was just like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. There's no character to her. Bill John had the most character because he had the most room to breathe. He didn't need to advance the plot at you know with when we're introduced to him. Becky had to advance a plot. Sinclair had to advance a plot. Bill John is the only character that was just allowed to be a character. Yeah. You know, but I think the first three issues really slag and really, you know, it's all set up and it's a lot to get through. But four, five, six of this trade, a lot of fun, a lot of action. If you like Trigun... If you like Western stories, if you like Mike Minogola's, like, kind of, uh, BPRD kind of stuff, with just crazy Hellmouth, Buffy the Vampire Slayer opening up a Hellmouth kind of thing, this might be fun. It's a lot of blending of stuff there. Yeah. Will it blend? I don't know. It does blend. It does. Definitely does. It works well, yeah. And I'm just like, as we've been talking, I've just been, like, kind of going through looking at the, like, panel by panel artwork from Brian Hurt and it's all it doesn't hurt the story no it's very clean crisp and it tells like a western story so well like whenever I'm reading like I don't want to call this an indie book but it is <laughs> I'm always kind of looking at the art more critically than I am at a big name like a big name big and publisher. like watching this I was like he's doing western art so well like when they're riding through the desert and you have like the mountains and the cliffs and stuff i do really love how he did the like the landscapes are fantastic and i'm just like i've never tried to draw big rocks before (laughs) i don't (laughs) think i could like oh when they go through like utah the red rocks yeah like and that's what hit me i was like i don't think i could do that but i'm looking at this and i know what it is Mm -hmm. like anyone can draw a person because we all know what people look like and if paul draws a person it's a stick figure. It, no, but you'll still be able to tell it's a person. Mm-hmm. If I draw a person, you'll be able to tell it's a person. If Paul or I draws like a red rock, a red rock, someone's gonna look at me like, oh, is that a turd? That's a, that's a nice circle you drew. Mm-hmm. And I I know I should be a little bit more accepting because I've been reading comic books for my entire <laughs> life. But it's uh, it's appreciated when someone can like set the tone, the landscape. And tell a story with it. And it just, like, it works. Because a lot of times you, it, they don't focus on the backgrounds. Like, we get a lot of indie or, like, small press comics where they're drawing people. There's no backgrounds at all. 
And uh, Brian Hurt is also the colorist on this for oh. the first volume. And then they have a new guy come on who's been on with them throughout the whole the whole series. And Brian Hurt, so far in the 36 issues, only two issues he didn't draw. Hmm. But yeah, the, the, art, the art fix fits and, and the character, everything just, it really does just work. The art and the fact that these guys are together doing it. Uh, Brian Hurt's doing the covers too. I I will say I don't like the fact that like we read this digitally that they have the next time in this issue like, yeah like in between like issues one and two like you have or, the I, yeah I don't know if I got no they have the they have the break like it's every like, like it's a break like, and then they have the cover for the next issue but then they have like the credits page after that. I didn't mind that because I'm like, it, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's the end of the first issue. And I go on to the next. It does, but then at the same time, it's like the adventure continues in issue four, and then here's a advertisement for the damned, and then I hit the next page, and it gives me the cover. I hit the next page, it gives me the like the creator's page again. That kind of took me out of the story more than like the narrator did because I was like, oh, I'm definitely at the breaking point. Oh, really? Okay, it's not yeah. like flowing through. I I think I don't want to say I would have enjoyed it more if it hadn't been there, but it would have been seamless at that point. Can uh, I'm gonna go to a quick aside here, Chris? You haven't read any more than volume one. No. Becky as a character, hmm? she's not a damsel in distress. Like after she, because she's a good shooter, she could probably take care of herself. But she's being led along by Drake, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drake's the main character. Of this He's book. the main character. Yeah, Becky's just there to be that. Hey, we need to We're tell the, the story. She's the mulligan. We she's need the, someone uh, to explain. McGuffin. Yeah, McGuffin. That's we need I'm someone to explain the story to for the writers. Yeah. here's Becky. That's kind of how I saw it because she. I, I kind of kept it. on wanting her to. She does step up. She does have a heroic moment or two mm-hmm. uh, throughout the first six issues. But I want her to take that next step to be the main character because it's called the sixth gun. And she has the sixth gun, right, John? Yes. Does does that happen? Get on mic and <laughs> let me know. Does I'll tell you off. You'll tell, what, tell you you'll, off, off the show. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I know it's something that... because. The thing is with, you know, female characters in comics, you know, it's one of those things where I, you don't want them to always, you don't want them to be the damsels. She's, you want them to. I, I will just say she's someone that can hold her own with Drake Sinclair. Yeah, because. Well, we're showing that, like, when she, yeah, like, right off the, the guns, like, okay, you need to, yeah, like, she's, and she, she just, like, pops on. She's like, no, my stepdad showed me how to shoot a gun. Yeah. He's being really condescending, and she shots, shoots off those things, and she's like, no, I'm a pretty good shooter. Well, I, I didn't but he see doesn't. That. It's condescending. I read it more as the fact, like, oh, he just, like, came in the situation. Here's this girl that's stuck with his gun now. I better show her how to use it. And then it's just all of a sudden, yeah. like, oh, and, she and, already knows. Yeah, that's and also, to be like, I no, better show her no, how to use it. Even. What he wanted her to do was to use the gun to get a vision. Oh, yeah, that's, true. that's what he was doing. The only person who was surprised that she could shoot was Bill John. Who was like, ah, oh, she's a natural. Then she has her vision, and then Bill John's like, you knew that was going to happen, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, I need to know where what this treasure is. I need to know where we're supposed to go next. Uh, that's true. That's good. Because I kind of kept, 
I took away, you know, not really thinking about it as, uh, that's just stereotypical the storytelling is is in that moment before that is boom 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 this is how you shoot now do this as you tra- as you think you're training mm-hmm. the damsel for her then to show no I'm not a damsel yeah, yeah. and then ultimately it wasn't even for that Drake Sinclair just needed mm-hmm. to know hey this gun can tell the future where are we supposed to go next mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do you know where it is? All right, let's go. Yeah. Ultimately, the, the, the schemer, mm-hmm. the guy that's trying to be that one step ahead, and he's yeah. got he's got this girl that knows the step ahead. Mm-hmm. That's why she's still there. But And also, we never get a love interest. It's never a, like she's going to – she's not falling for Drake <laughs> at all. doesn't seem like Drake's falling for her at all. It's kind of nice that it doesn't happen that way. See, I didn't even yeah. read it thinking that it's like a thing because I was just more invested in there, the story. There are tropes that I'm always afraid. There's tropes that are traps, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm always afraid that stories will fall onto, and this is one of the ones that they go. Um, it, with this series, I have to say, I never, I've never had that oh hum moment like saw this coming you know there's stuff that does happen where you're like kind of foreshadowed i think i saw it and going back i reread this foreshadowing things it's fine falling into a trope yeah i i I don't i don't feel that that happens with the series and going back and rereading this because i i went back and reread it because it's been a year since i've read it and not only do i want to just continue on rereading the whole series again but there was lots of little things that I was like, oh, hey, uh, three trades later, uh, that ha- that, that's, oh, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's like, it's, oh, that's cool. it's, it's something yeah, that that's it's good. not just, oh, I had this, I want to make this book, but it's, it's thought out more mm-hmm. than just that. Oh, that's cool. There, he knows to some sense where he's going with it, with this. I'm glad it's working out, and he does have the ability to do that instead of just like, okay, well, I got a story arc out. Cool. That's the end of it. Because, like, I was talking to John, and if this had ended, like, right where Volume 1, like, shutters, I'd be okay with it being, like, a limited series. Yeah, they beat the big bad of the first trade. And having that, like, tease, like, oh, man, like, I I would love to see where it goes next. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. I, I get to. There's no real hook into what happens next. There's no real lead-in to... You, you do have the Widow Hume still lingering, still well, as a and threat. You have Becky's visions of just... like the like. Is that the Native Americans that you were talking about? Uh, y- yes and no. Okay. I was just... like That was just a curiosity there's, thing. But there's, like, there's visions at the end that, like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's something else still coming. Yeah. And then you've got, like... Dust of the earth, like Bill John standing there outside on guard, like literally dust. Like it of was, the earth. it was cool. Like if it had ended right there, I've been like, okay, mm-hmm. like great. Not like just like suburban glamour, which we did maybe mm-hmm. like two months ago now, where it ended, and I was like, what? That's it? Like there's no more? Like because I wanted more. Yeah, two months ago, it wasn't like a bookend for that book. Mm-hmm. It was just like we're done. Bye. 
Yeah. And they might get back to it, they might not, because it's greater own. Because I would love more of that. But yeah. this, like, the volume ends, and I'm just like, wow, great and story, it, and I I was left there. And it ends with, like, an epilogue. But thing. you liked it a lot more than Queen and Country. Oh, yeah. Queen and Country, you're like, oh, there's just too much office politics. It's not fun. Yeah. Um, And I just, like, that vision is one of those things where I was like, oh, that literally happens four volumes from now. Like, what's horrible is with Queen and Country is like, man, I wish I could write comic books as good as Queen and Country, but I know I couldn't. And you guys are like, man, we would have so much fun with ZixCon. It's awesome. Well, well, the thing is, Paul, is that is grounded. That is rules. That is politics. That is... Mm -hmm. No, we can't do that because of this. Are you? You gave them guns. You need to turn those guns back in. Where this is open ended. It's not mm-hmm. shut in. It's oh yeah, you don't go off the beaten path because there's a thunder god out yeah. in, the, in the woods. You know, like that Sinclair's trapped us, and he's let in let us box he's right let us right it. in yeah. here. You know, like it's. It's open, it's crazy, there are crazy things, but even with those crazy things, there are some rules to them. Mm-hmm. And as as you keep going on and you keep finding out how these things are tethered into and where they all come from, there are rules to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you... You don't get past the ferryman without giving him his rum with... uh gunpowder mixed into it. Oh, really? It, I, I would think it would be two points. Okay. Well, it's a different ferry. You're okay. Different I'm thing. Thinking of river sticks yeah, here. it's it's not. It's the bayou. Oh. Okay. Well, that's cool. You know, at least there's mythology to it. Yeah. Like, and I, I always I feel love like world building stuff. I do love world, world building stuff. I love tying into a greater mythology. Uh, I, I feel like this is it's slightly akin to Carnival. Yeah. Because it's like this age of magic still in the pre, you know, World War kind of era, uh, right after the Civil War, where magic still rules. But, and I feel like at any time, like this might bring about, or bring about the end of this age of magic to the age of science. Like, but maybe not. I don't, I don't know where it's going, but. I didn't, yeah, I don't want to give anything away. Okay. But it's a fun read. It's, I do, I do suggest don't, don't stop with issue one. Don't stop finish with the issue whole, two. Finish the volume. Yeah. Finish volume one. Take the whole volume as one work and then decide whether or not you want to go on. Because if I was going to decide after issue one, two, and maybe even with issue three, I would be like, oh, it's yeah. real this... difficult. It took me, you you said John when he was pitching this as like oh you can read it in the afternoon. It took me four days because wow. I'm like ooh that first issue. Like I read all almost right, all, right. all of it I'll on read the next one next work. day. I I did you read it all in one because you were kind of like time crunched because of the podcast or no not okay like I I sat down to read it and then I just I kept reading it okay because I kept on like. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, is 
Yeah, because of it's, my taste. There's it's a fine. reason. There's a reason you're on that side of the table yeah. and we're on this side of the table. Uh-oh. If I thought anyone would have a problem with this book, it would have been mm-hmm. you, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Like it's something that I figured that Chris would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that at the end of it you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It's a book, though, if I had just bought issue number one off the stands and read that, I might not have kept going. Yeah. I, I think I probably would have been the same. There wasn't enough there. Like, from what I did enjoy of it, it, it wouldn't be something I'd be like, okay, well, you know, next month I'm going to be putting another four bucks down. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the reasons I did pick this up is I follow Scott Snyder on, on uh, Twitter. Twitter. And at one point last year, he said, Six Guns, one of my favorite books. And that was just, that was just it. Like, issue 20. This book's one of my favorite series or whatever. Slurpees again because Jeff John. (laughs) And I said, well, I enjoy, I enjoy Scott Snyder's Batman. And that's really one of the reasons why I picked this book up. I really didn't know too much about it, but I picked it up and I, read it and just continued on with the series and it was something that as soon as i finished one i might have waited a day or i might have waited 15 minutes and been like all right i'm buying the next volume and i'm gonna sit and read this again and it was a really great summer like sitting yeah. out on the front porch yeah this is reading a summertime reading because reading this book West. or waking up early going out having a coffee and sitting on the porch and reading it every summer day and now I hate it that I'm caught up and I'm buying it in issues because as soon as it comes out, I buy it, I read it, and I get to the end and I'm like, I gotta this, wait 30 days. That's why you need to just be able to say like, hey, no, I'm gonna wait. Like, I still buy Invincible, Fables, and Saga by the trade. I love those books and I want to know what's happening, but it's still like I love that payoff. Like, if sitting love down the and just reading it. I no, I can't do I. I like I love the book so much that I I want to read that issue. I want to be at the end and be like, "Oh, I can't believe they did that. Like, why would you kill that guy? I loved him." And then and then kill sit him, there and then sit there and go, "I got to wait another month." And then like the volume 5 just came out and I'm well into volume 6 right now in single issues and I'm just like, "Man, I can't believe I had a if I didn't do this, I'd have to wait for now to read that like i want to stay on it and i it's a series that i'm i'm rereading like volume one is now going to be off my phone volume two is going to be downloaded (laughs) and on my phone for those lunch breaks or just that Mm -hmm. oh hey i can read this now and just read it that's good i'm glad you can find a lot of enjoyment and entertainment and i hope we as a podcast, provide enjoyment and entertainment to you, our listeners. Uh, and I hope we find more listeners. We are now on uh, Stitcher. We're now on Blueberry. We're now on a lot of different podcatcher things. But Stitcher.com is pretty cool because uh, they throw ads into this podcast. So if you download us through Stitcher, we might actually see a little bit of money. Ooh. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Uh, not a big deal. But... What we really like, even more so than ad-generated revenue, is uh, likes and reviews. And where can they like us, John? They can like us over on the Facebook. And as you heard earlier on, I'm going to be putting that up about drinking and 
eating some yeast before you drink so you don't get drunk so you can drink through the night. You know what they can find on our Facebook page, you know, by searching Bag and Board? What? Our fourth annual summer movie Bracket Buster, which is a new bracket. It's coming up. It's, gotta get your, gotta get them in. You don't need to take a picture or do anything fancy. Just put your pics on that Facebook page, you know, to say which movies you think is going to be the best, and you could be here next year. Not, not picking, here. Well, not literally. Unless they actually live in the area, we'll invite you over. No, well, wherever you're living, John, we'll invite them over. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I imagine the people in this area that would do it are actually people that we would yeah, know, okay, so yeah, I don't think true. it would be that big of a problem. Probably not. But you could end up on the podcast. When you show up, we'll smell you to see if you're allowed into the house. If you're smelly, you're, you're yeah. not allowed in. Also, if I actually have to physically invite you in, that means you're a vampire and you have to just stay outside. Oh, we can record outside, but not at night with <laughs> the vampires. Well, no, because they couldn't show up during the day. I know! Okay. No vampires! No vampires. <laughs> uh, so make sure you email us over at contact at bangboardcast.com or individually at Chris, John, or Paul at bangboardcast.com. Yeah, you could email your summer movie picks there, too. It's fine. It's fine. As long as we get them before May 1st. Before May 1st. So, next week, look back. Look back next week, yes. We'll be exactly. doing our April look back, so look forward to that. Eh? Eh?